Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy are making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to help your students and fellow teachers use technology in a mindful and transformative way in the classroom. The special agent assigned to help you with this task is Hedrick Nichols, middle school technology teacher in Arlington, Texas. Hedrick and I spoke on March 17, 2020, just as many schools around the country were beginning to close. Hey, are you there? I am. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for taking the time today to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. You know, out of my very, very busy school schedule, (laughs) I really had to fight hard to work you in, but I've done what I can, so I hope you appreciate this. (laughs) Just to start, if you don't mind introducing uh, yourself and your position and anything else that you, you care to share about yourself before we begin... Okay, I am actually uh, come from the, I took education classes in high school, so I kind of always thought that I would teach, or always felt like I would teach, and then I got into full-time music, which I'd also been doing since childhood, and I traveled the world over as a professional performer, arranger, choir director, uh, as an adult trainer, adult educator, and then I got into full-time education, came back, got my master's, got into education full-time a couple of years ago, and here I am. So I've got 14 years in, but this is the the time that I in life that I'm doing it pretty much exclusively. I'm pretty much a semi-retired musician and a full-time educator and adult educator. You are a grade six, seven teacher in, you said North Texas? Yes, in North Texas, teaching technology and content teacher lead in the district. So what is a teacher lead? Like, what does that look like in your district? Uh, It means you mentor teachers teaching your content, in my case, again, technology. Um, You help write lesson plans, help cast vision for uh, any coming changes, weigh in. You're kind of the, uh, you amplify the voice of the teachers going uh, upward, and then you amplify the voice of admin and um, CMO facing, you know, facing the teachers. And you're doing this at the same time you also have in in-class contact time with your kids. Yes, that's the majority of what I do. And how do you find the the mentorship role? Is it something that came to you naturally or has it been a, a growth process for you? You know, I'm in my uh, 14th or 15th year teaching and I um, kind of have a heart for other teachers. When I came to education full-time, it was I went to get my master's in order to help teachers who have a hard time uh, using technology as uh, a real viable solution to some of the things we, some of the uh, obstacles we encounter in class. And so that's just kind of something that I enjoy doing, have always had a heart for. So yes, it comes naturally. What are some of those obstacles that you're finding your teachers facing? Well, first of all, um, teachers before the advent of technology, teaching was already a full-time job. And so in addition to all of the many, 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 many things that teachers have to do 
um, on a regular basis to learn to find an application that does what they needed to do to vet the application, to practice using the application, and then to put push that application out to their uh, to their kids. That's a whole nother job. And so it just adds on a lot of time that teachers don't have. It's great to say, oh, man, Seesaw, yeah, so cool. What's Seesaw? How does it work? Is it user-friendly? Do my kids have computers? Are they one-to-one? You know, all of those things. I have the computer cart Tuesdays and Thursdays. What days can I push that push that lesson onto Seesaw and use it for Tuesday and Thursday? What happens to the kids who miss on Tuesday? And they don't, just all of those, a lot of things fall into the, oh, great, use technology uh, resort. And that's just, it's, it's a lot of extra work. And so being a tech teacher, I wanted to be able to help teachers with implementing those tools. So there are some great tools, but if you don't have the time to figure them out and to teach those to your kids, it's, it, they're just great ideas that nobody ever really gets to implement. For a parent or teacher that is decided to go full Luddite and say technology actually has no place in our schools, it's ruining our students' minds, what would be your answer to why technology is worth investing in for a district? I think the big thing is that nothing, no one thing can make or break a child, can make or break what they'll be in the future. No one thing can do that. And that's probably what I I would communicate first. Um, And I would uh, agree with them that sometimes in the way that we use screen time, we are doing a lot of damage. And I would talk about the ways you can circumvent that, first of all, by being a savvy parent yourself and knowing that, for example, Whisper makes you be able to go on, sorry, Whisper, no shade, lets your kid be able to use Snapchat even more covertly than they're already using it. Things like that. Uh, I would say, you know, look at Common Sense Education, which has wonderful resources for explaining every application that's out there. I mean, they, and they, when I say every, they really keep up. So it's, you know, if it's every and it's not there two months from now, if it's a new app by six months from now, they'll have it up there. They're really good about vetting applications and taking a lot of that off teachers' plates and parents' plates. So I would say, you know, check out if you have an application, you have a concern, look and see what the privacy issues are. Look and see what the issues are about usage, what uh, acceptable use policies are, you know, how your, te- how your teachers will be using it. Go ahead and inform yourself. And that way, if you have pushback, you can do that specifically and say to a teacher, these are my concerns. Is there a way we can work together on a solution? What drew you to the tech side of education? There are a lot of teachers out there who are maybe a little afraid to kind of dig in and learn something new. Some who want to learn, but they don't want to, they don't want to see it from some newfangled 20-something-year-old teacher who grew up with a device in their hand who doesn't understand how hard it is. And so I kind of figured I could be a really good stand-in-the-gap person for helping teachers, especially teachers who didn't grow up with devices in their hands, to say, hey, uh, look at this. It's really simple. Look at this. You can do this, this, and this, and then you're in. And look how much time it'll save you. And this is actually one of my favorite, I have two favorite questions that I love asking, but what would be your favorite unit or lesson and and why is it your favorite to teach? Ooh, thank you. Okay, so my favorite unit is the SDGs. The UN has put out 17 sustainable developmental goals. They unfortunately keep moving the, the not unfortunately, but uh, it's always every 10 years. It was supposed to be SDGs 2020, now it's SDGs 2030, because come on, people, let's get on board. And it's about 
people creating solutions for actual world problems. So the goals are like no poverty, no hunger, gender equality, infrastructure, clean water, life on land. So there are 17 of those. Just basically, if we make small changes, we will guarantee a better future for our children and our children's children. And every semester we do seventh grade picks a passion project. They look at the SDGs. We look and see what people are doing. And they find out that some of their favorite stars have some of these same causes and they get excited about it. And they pull together their own, their own projects. It's a huge unit. We take five to six weeks to do it. Um, and they pull together resources like uh, they, they learn to call admin and find out if we can have a fundraising uh, event on this particular day. They call um, one, one group has called St. Jude's Hospital. If you don't know St. Jude's, they have 78 beds that are cost free for people who uh, come for treatment there. And it's a children's cancer center. So one group is having a, a, they arranged a free dress day. So they had to go back and forth with administration and they had to call the uh, headquarters of St. Jude Hospital and find out. And they got their own little packet with posters and huge things. We have one group, they are doing a, uh, well, I'm not sure when because of the coronavirus right now, but they have organized a gender equality event, especially for the LGBTQ community at the middle school level. They say, you know, um, people at high school, they have support. And here at the middle school campus, Miss Nichols, we don't have support. Uh, we want to change that. And I thought, wow. Isn't that great? And so they've organized speakers and they're having an event. Um, if you look at actually Ms. Nichols Tech on Instagram, you can see some of theirs. We got a group of tree planters. Um, they're just planting trees and not just, but I mean, they're planting trees. And there's a, a website they found, Ecosia, I believe it is, uh, that you can search. It works like Google. But for every time you search, they, they get paid and the money they use is to plant trees all over the world, things like that. And so they they put, they do campus cleanups. One one group has a podcast on, on Spotify. Juan and Aaron, if you want to check them out, they talk about their work for a shelter, a local shelter. Just really amazing projects that these kids, I, I really do nothing. I give them resources and I, I, I act completely as a facilitator. Miss um, Nichols, we need to so-and-so-and-so. Who do we need to call? How do we, how do we do this? And I say either do this, this, and this, or I'm not sure. Can you use this search parameter? How can you search in Google to find those people? And it's amazing. They've tagged people like Morgan Freeman and, and some of them have been followed by verified YouTubers. And it's just so neat to see them grow one, learn to kind of grow a brand, and two, learn to care. The brand is something that they care about, you know, something that's going to be world-changing, something that's going to make a difference. And so that is, I, I am an SDG proponent. If you don't know the SDGs, somebody should be doing it on every campus at every level. I even have a kindergarten friend. His kids are collecting granola bars to give to a local school in their community who doesn't, who has a large group of kids who don't get free breakfasts. So yeah, that's, that's my project, the SDGs. That's awesome. And I really like that action component of it. I've talked a bit in other interviews about this idea of, of hope. Like when we're talking about issues in our community, oftentimes there are problems in our community that we're informing students about, and that can lead to a feeling of hopelessness. But the fact that they're doing direct actions and seeing immediate or not so immediate when it comes to trees results, I think is part of that critical building of hope. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that, that they know that even now as 12 and 13 year olds, that they're powerful and that, that what they do today can actually impact tomorrow. You, you talked a bit about students growing uh, a brand through social media and, and YouTube and, and stuff like that. Can you expand a little bit more about teaching about brand building? Yes, absolutely. Um, I didn't. I haven't even introduced that part. That was actually coming up afterwards. What they'll be able to do uh, with the things they've learned on the project. That's kind of a part of the reflection component that we're kind of waiting on, depending on when we go back to class. Um, <clears throat> but what we talk about is how to get your message out. So they had to design a logo, and um, some used logo makers, some used Canva. Those are a couple of tools we use often. Some use Wix logo, the Wix logo maker. Those are the three tools. Um, again, I, I suggested Canva, but I did not mandate any particular app. Um, so they use an app. We talked about what, how to visualize the concept. If the concept is building trees, how do you visualize that? What hashtags are there already out there supporting your cause? And what hashtag can you use to hang on, what, what kind of personal hashtag can you use? So trees for life. I think it was trees, the number four and life or something like that. Then we talked about how to get the message out. So we made a promo video for that. I, uh, we used Animoto, which is a really simple video maker. Some kids decided to use TikTok because it's also a simple video maker. It's an app they're comfortable with. Um, and then they did a quick 30 second, 15 second promo video to say, here's our logo. It had to include the logo what they were doing, um, and we talked about a message either, how messages work. Either it's going to benefit you personally, it's going to tug on your heartstrings, you know, just, just the different kinds of ways to get someone's attention. I asked, what elements do you need to use to get your message out? And we talked about that, and they put together promo videos. Those are the ones that are pretty much on Instagram. Then we talked about how to build a a full length informational video. When I say full length, I mean a two to three minute informational video. So we talked about what we looked at other videos and what other people were putting together who were supporting cancer, who were supporting the SDGs. They're just all kind. Luckily we have YouTube. There's so much, there's so much, there's so much content there that has been done by other students, by adults, by organizations. So we just looked at some some different kinds of videos and talked about what does this mean for their brand? How are they, you know, is this when you look at this video, do you see something, a concept that is easily identifiable, or is this kind of just a whole bunch of information? Okay, good. How can you get it? So, and then we looked at some of those really great looking videos by people like Nike, who does promo stuff that's just amazing. It uses cultural elements, it uses diversity, it uses equity, but you still see Nike is there. And so we talked about that. How do you connect these things to your logo? And then we built from there. I feel like that's a much more impactful way to talk about social media and responsibility and critical thinking than having that very special lesson where the teacher stands there and says, you know, Facebook will ruin your future. Like you're you're giving them the tools in making it themselves to then be able to analyze ways in which they're being manipulated as they try and manipulate others. 
<laughs> yep, exactly. And it's funny you should mention it because in sixth grade, we talk a lot about digital citizenship. And in seventh grade, we bring it back home to how are you behaving? And a couple of the kids said, I don't want to put this on my internet. And I said, okay, so you want another cat filter bathroom, messy bathroom selfie, but you don't want to say that I'm a person who cares about the world. Explain that. And it, came, it we had some interesting conversations about that just how I present myself. I present myself as, you know, two fly 17 with the cat ears. And now I'm showing that I want to plant trees and make a better world. Hmm. How can I put that stuff together? And so we talked about your social media now. And in two years, you're going to work at, want to work at Brahms and Six Flags. And what if they look at your social media? Who do you want them to see? So we talk about YOLO and how who you are online is who people will see you even in 10 years. What are areas where you feel like you've had the most success in uh, and what are areas that you still struggle in or struggle with as a teacher? Hmm, let's see. Um, creating world changers. I think that's a big area of success. I have a video that I, uh, I show at the beginning of every year and it gives kind of my eight class expectations. And the eighth is the greatest, the greatest rule of all is kindness, encouragement, and an encouragement that if we are in a learning community, we ought to be able to fail up. We ought to be able to make a mistake and not be afraid that everyone's going to laugh. So my horrible consequences, if you want to come and spend an hour with Miss Nichols after class, then, then be mean to somebody or laugh at somebody if they're making a presentation or if they are saying something that you don't agree. Oh my God, that's trash. That will just that makes the hair on the back of my neck raise up because life is hard enough. Junior high school life, middle school life is really hard enough. So we can be kinder to, to one another. So if there's one big success, um, some of the, the mean girls <laughs> in my classroom, it's different and they are different. And the way they interact with other people is different because that's just the expectation for my classroom. Like I said, junior high, middle school is hard. So we're kind. We work together. We work together with our friends. We work together with our frenemies. We work together with people we would never, ever sit together with outside the classroom. But we support each other. And that's a, that's a big part. That's my biggest success. Um, the place... That I would like to do more work in goes probably beyond my classroom, and that's just equity issues. You know, um, in a country this wealthy, we are scrambling because kids don't all have access to, to to internet. They don't all have access to Chromebooks or computers. They don't all have a cell phone with uh, data with with data. They don't all have food. That we live in a country that has so much, and so many still have so little. That's that's a real passion, and and, and also um, the racial divide. That's that's something that I want to do more about. I did um, a podcast recently for Jennifer Gonzalez's Cult of Pedagogy, where we talked about the nine ways to do diversity, to do and nine inclusive strategies to make your classroom not only diverse but to make everyone there feel included. And so I think that's the place that. I just want to be able to have more impact beyond my own classroom. And I'll definitely put a link to that because I want to go listen to that right now. <laughs> I, I know in, in reading that I've done that and, and talking to other teachers that the burden of equality work and equity often falls to the few statistically uh, teachers of color in a school. It, is that something that you 
have, have found? Is that something that your school has been able to work to prevent from happening? You know, I read that as well. And I simply think that the, the source of knowledge is the source of knowledge. If you are the source, how can we say we want equity and we want you to go out and find out what you need to know without scaffolding and saying, okay, let me introduce you to somebody who can. That's the, if I have, and I've had white friends who I know for a fact, their circle, white, well, colleagues, their circle is completely white, wasp, middle, middle, middle class, and they have no friends outside of their community that they, you know, they've communicated, communicated that to me. And so if I'm the only person in the room that they know personally, they can go and read something and it may or may not be true, but they can ask me while I cannot be the voice for all females, for all black teachers, for all black teachers, my age, for all, I can't be anybody's voice. I can at least lend the knowledge that I do have. And I, I, yeah, I take issue with saying that the burden falls. It's not a burden. It's kind of we all have to do this together and we have to help where we can. That's my personal feeling. So part, part of the podcast is um, wanting to, because listening to you, you sound like an amazing teacher and people might be a little bit intimidated by that. So I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a failure um, just to make everybody realize that you can't be a master teacher all of the time. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, what am I really bad at? You know what? I'm crotchety. <laughs> I am crotchety. Um, for those of you who may not know that word, that is a term reserved usually for cranky old women. <laughs> I, while I don't consider myself a cranky old woman, I could just be crotchety. And I have, I'd probably all of us, if you, six period is usually, if you teach along that your last, especially if you have block, that last 90 minutes can be challenging. The kids have been up since seven o'clock. It's three in the afternoon and everybody's kind of done. And I can just be cranky. And I was just, actually, I was just talking to my son at, at breakfast and I was saying, I'm really glad that my kids do not find me mean. They find me strict, but they find me fun and funny and they enjoy coming usually. But at the beginning, it takes a minute because I am, I tend to be a bit drill sergeanty at the beginning. When you come to my class, no, do no, uh-uh. I said, I said, it's my turn. Why are you still talking? So I tend to be crotchety, kind of like that, kind of like old school mom crotchety. And, and, you know, my favorite thing to say is, oh, so I didn't bring out my mean mommy voice and now you don't want to do what I said. <laughs> oh, you, gotta keep talking? You, can, you, you think just because I used a nice teacher voice that you can still keep talking? <laughs> And I was like, you know, I'll walk over to that kid whose parent is the very parent who says, honey, let's not do that anymore. And I'll walk over and, you know, put my hand on their shoulders to let them know, you know, it's okay. <laughs> this is as high as it goes. I'm okay. <laughs> We're okay. We're all okay. <laughs> One thing that I, I tried to do um, a lot more of was modeling and like, uh, and sharing with students. So things like saying, I'm having a really good day, but also saying things like today, I'm having a really bad day. I didn't get a lot of sleep. I had, you know, a bit of a tiff with someone in the staff room at lunch. 
And yeah. quite frankly, I didn't finish my coffee. It was spilt. So I really <gasps> need you to act your best today because Ms. Levin's going to lose it yep. if you don't. <laughs> and they're remarkably receptive to that because they know that tomorrow will be better. But today, rather than me just like erupting on them and them not knowing why, they at least know A, why, but B, it could have been prevented. <laughs> well, yep. And that's such a great, that's, a, that's such a great thing, you know, to let them know we're also human. It's not the same all the time. And um, I also let my kids know I try to spend quality family time. I think that's super important. And I try to make sure that I look at my calendar of the year and my school calendar of the year and, and schedule projects that I'll have to grade, like spend a lot of time after school grading. I try to schedule those at good times so that I'm not bumping heads with stuff I have to do with my kid. And I let them know that, nope, I will be grading this on Thursday. And it's okay because I said, well, why? Why can't you grade it tonight? I want to know what I got. <laughs> and, and we're not going to talk about feedback versus grades and what I love we would do anyway in the classroom. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. But I just know I said, you know, I'm also a mom and that's important to me. I'm a, I, you know, I, I'm a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a fan. I, all of these other hats and I need to de devote some time to some people outside of my cat. But you said with your, you said with your kids, you are my kids, but I got a personal kid too. <laughs> and so... I, yeah, letting them know that or learning Spanish this year. Oh my God, that is a, that's huge. I am awful at it. And I always think I can. And I try to talk to their parents in Spanish and them in Spanish and they see me fail and they help. And they, they Miss Nichols, you need to practice. When's the last time you practiced? <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> this one is actually my favorite question. Uh, so I've given you unlimited school funds. <laughs> unlimited time. Uh, I've also, I've got a cook and a chauffeur for you and a house cleaner for you. What would your ideal classroom or school look like? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Can we... you get a little closer to the mic? Sorry. Yes. I'm so, oh man. I, sorry. You put me in dream mode. Okay. <laughs> wow. I love serious. I leaned all the way back in. <laughs> Hands behind my head here. I was just way okay. Sorry. All right, I'm back in podcast. Um, yeah, I would definitely have mixed. I would run it kind of like teams. So I would put together groups that have similar interests. Let's say we have I have kids who absolutely love the SDG project. I also have kids who wish they were back in sixth grade. Sixth grade, our big project is a maker project called Solve Any Problem, where they have to find some problem at home and come up with an actual invention or innovation to solve it. So we, we got, my favorite invention this year was a stack of paper, but when you look closely, it was actually a hideaway box to keep stuff away from siblings, things like that. Or the guy who, wasn't that great? And it literally looks like a pack. It looks like a, a paper stacked up. Like, like, like when you go buy paper from Walmart, it looks like that. Um, she, she, ta she tacked, she cut the paper out and glued it to the outside of the box. So there was that. And then another one was my mom always makes me come all the way to her room to get her a glass of water. So it was a Nike box that he converted with a straw and a plastic bottle to a water dispenser. 
<laughs> those were my top two. They were just amazing. Um, I would have groups that the people who like to do the hands-on stuff, I would have that be a sixth, seventh, eighth group. And uh, the people who like to do SDGs, I would break that into people who like to go into the community and actually do service projects. Then I would have the people who like to do branding and graphics. I would have that be a group. I would have an engineering group. I would have a uh, a science group. We had our kids went to a state level on. Um, for the science fair this year. So I would take those kinds of um, of interest groups and I would restructure it so that instead of a sixth grade, a seventh grade, an eighth grade, I would do that. And, and then when people graduate, they would be able to graduate with uh, two years of college credit and some kind of certificate. For example, the Microsoft Learning Certificate or and our, our campus is actually working at working on that. Or they would be able to have a graphic design certificate or, you know, so I bet you that that Edward Jones or somebody has some kind of finance commit certificate. So they would actually graduate with life skills, with job skills and some college credit to get them started. So that would be. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are the end of my questions. Is there anything that you'd want to add that I didn't touch on? I'd love to finish dreaming about the school. <laughs> that would be great. I didn't even get to the kinds of food that we could have because, of course, of course, there would be people people who would actually do the cooking as well. You know, that would not just be a chef. That would also be a team of kids who absolutely love to cook. Um, so, other than that, I I don't think so. Um, I think that follow your heart, be kind to one another and everybody build strong relationships with your kids and everyone can be an amazing teacher. So there you have it. Use technology in the classroom to save time, not make your life harder. Engage students on building their personal brands early and own being crotchety if that's who you are. The show notes have links to all of Hedrick's social media, as well as her website. I also highly recommend checking out the link to Spotify, where you can listen to her amazing Grammy-nominated voice. And if you like the podcast, please consider forwarding it to your colleagues and rating and reviewing it on iTunes. This has been Less Than Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.